Hello, and a friendly welcome to episode 186 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Pete DeMeo, and as usual, we've got Melissa Cavanaugh sitting in the command seat. Howdy ho! And we got Phil Fariska manning all the knobs and dials. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> all right, so we got a big show today. Uh, we're going to be diving into the single biggest challenge that most hoteliers are facing right now. It's the case of the missing staff. So... You can follow along on this murder mystery adventure by joining us with the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast, and then click on episode 186. So, so yeah, so we're about to dive in to some really, hopefully good information. But before we do that, if I'm not mistaken, we have two newsaroos. We do. Do you actually want to sing the newsaroo jingle, or would you like to pass that off since you're now the host? It seems weird for me to just kind of go right into singing. So, should we all sing it together, or do you want to sing it? <laughs> no, I'm out. I think this is Melissa. All right, let, let's hear Melissa's rendition of it real quick. Hotel marketing they cannot lose. Now it's time for newsaroos. That's fantastic. Nice. I love it. And I think the, the ghost of Stuart will even appreciate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. So, yeah, let's uh, we'll jump in. So we've got two of them. The first one is, this comes to us from the AP, and it says, Biden opens up more H-1B and H-2B visas. This one's pretty important. It kind of goes along with lines of the entire episode today. But basically what's happening is the Department of Homeland Security said that the U.S. would approve an additional 22,000 H-2B visas, which are seasonal non-architectural workers, on top of what they already bring in each year of about 66,000. So that's big because obviously we have a massive problem with finding staff from the hotel industry, but then also kind of around the world in general. I don't know if you've noticed any restaurant that you've gone to has, you know, everybody has a help one to sign out front and nobody can find workers. So this is great that we're going to see some, some new workers coming into the country. I don't know that it's enough, but uh, it's definitely a start. Yeah. Hopefully we see that. I mean, I've kind of to your point, Pete, I've been seeing restaurants even putting signs out front that says, please be patient with staff. You know, they're actually choosing to show up and work, and we thank them. Just basically don't be a jerk. Yeah. Wow. And I think, you know, and Melissa, you've talked about it a lot in terms of not, from a hotel perspective, not increasing your ADR so much that you're not able to fulfill the guest expectations. And a big expectation is that there's going to be someone in the restaurant to wait on you, there's someone to clean the room and provide security and all the other good stuff. Yes, and it is uh, probably good to note that in order to uh, employ these new workers, you sort of have to jump through a, some, ho some hoops, as the government likes to make you do, that shows that you've tried everything you can to employ people from the U.S. before hiring a visa person. Yep. And in that case, you can really just respond, really, dot, 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 <laughs> and they should let you in. <laughs> So yeah, I'm so sure that's full advice. I'm sure that'll be just fine. <laughs> nice. So that's newsroom number one. Uh, what's the two on the newsrooms? I'll take it. Uh, so Melissa shared this, but I'm going to read it to you. So Google's offering some new travel tools um, within Google.com/travel. So when you're searching for hotels, flights, things to do, um, Google's going to let you know right in the SERP about various travel restrictions things like mandatory quarantine when you visit an area or if anyone's uh, requiring proof of test results or vaccin vaccination records. Um, they even added a cool little feature where you can pop your email in and uh, you'll get an email when those travel restrictions for your destination change. Um, Which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. change every day. I thought that was that was probably the coolest part about the the article, um, and there were two other pieces. Uh, they're now offering you can you can filter by the type of trip you want to take, whether you want to go to the beach or you want to go skiing or some type of outdoors focused vacation. You can filter by that. Um, 
And the the last part, I for some reason I already thought this was a thing, but really? right. So you can you can enter a starting point and a destination, and along the way you can now see the hotels, parks, campgrounds, um, places you can stop essentially, and you can set those specific stops within Google. And then transfer it over to your phone, and, and it'll go right to your Google Maps app with with all of that information. I, so before it, they did have where you could have multiple stops on a trip, but they didn't show you specifically, you know, points of interest along the way, other than just your your typical point of interest that you would see looking at a map without your map on, without your destination on it. I'm I'm a little surprised that. This is only for Google Maps, and they didn't transfer it over to their other Google product ways. Right. Oh, maybe it's a little foreshadowing. I tell you what, though, as much as everyone kind of dumps on Google for being the, you know, the evil empire and all that fun stuff, they do have a really solid suite of travel planning tools. Just me, you know, planning the summer vacation that we're going on, I had to look at Airbnb and Google side by side to get a good understanding of where properties were around what was around them. And I kind of use it as one of the tools throughout the entire planning process. And they were the only ones that would have information like, you know, good aerial views of the location, you know, the proper driving directions, they have it all together, which makes it great. I just, I opted to not obviously book through, through Google, I'd rather book direct, or in my case, I did a few Airbnbs. They're, I mean, they're evil. They're a necessary evil because they have the best information. I know. It's like everybody wants to hate them, but we just wish they would do a worse job. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right. Well, that's it for the newsaroos. We've got a stat of the week, though. The stat of the week. So this one kind of leads right into what we're talking about today. Um, this this stat is actually from an article written in July, but I think it pro- is probably still pretty applicable, and you'll hear why in a bit. But more than two thirds of people collecting unemployment earn more than they did at their old job. Staggering. That that's the scariest number in the world because. And we'll talk about it, obviously, a whole bunch on the on the show today. But if you want to hire somebody, you have a massive hurdle to overcome. And that is, one, they're already making more than they were not working or, you know, a prospective employee. But you have to make it that much more valuable that they're willing to forego the value that they've been getting on unemployment to have to actually go to, to do a job. Yeah. And, who, I mean, who are we to, who are we to blame somebody that is making more money not going to work. I mean, if someone said, hey, Phil, you don't have to work anymore, and we're going to pay you the same or slightly less, like, oh, well, I, I don't really want to go to work. Right. I don't yeah, blame them. Take into account that now I can stay home and not pay for childcare. That's not just salary. That's money back in my pocket that I was yeah. spending before. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Are you guys ready to dive into the, the meat of it, so to speak? I'm ready. All Let's right. Do it. So we are talking about six strategies that will help you find staff for your hotel. And I think this is a big one. Literally every meeting that I think I've been in over the past month or two has started out with, do you know where I can find employees? And we really don't have that answer completely, but we've put together a couple strategies here that should help you find staff for your hotel even though some of it's kind of a more of a, maybe an atypical way, and some are going to be some things that you probably should already be doing if you're not doing them already. So so basically, kind of to, to frame this up, the first four months of 2021 have been like five years compressed into one. We started the year where we didn't have any guests, but we had employees. And very quickly, that's morphed into we have all these guests that want to come to our property, but we have absolutely no one to service those guests. Everything from, from housekeeping to maintenance to security to bar help, pool help, whatever it might be. And what we did is we, we 
put together a couple strategies for you. But before that, I took a step back and I kind of looked at why we're having this problem. And here's some pretty interesting numbers. So with, with COVID, it's created a very weird circumstance for us in the U.S. specifically, is that when, when, you go, when you lose your job, you can go on unemployment and receive benefits from both the state and federal government. On average, a state will pay a unemployed person $345.53 per week. However, on top of that, the federal government is now providing $300 per week in addition to that. So what that equates to is when you look at it in total, it's $33,568 on average per year that a person may receive on unemployment benefits. Uh, we talk about that $15 minimum wage. Unemployment benefits altogether equate to $16.14 per hour. So how on earth are we as hoteliers going to find staff when we have to compete against a $16.14 hourly rate for someone to literally not work? And this isn't meant to be a political discussion, but it is meant to just, okay, this is the, the situation that we're in. So what are some cool things that we can do to help overcome this, this, this problem? And I think we know that those unemployment benefits, they're going to come to an end at some point, and we'll see more and more people entering the workforce every day. However, before it gets to that, we have to make sure that we're servicing our guests and providing the, the value and the experience that is required based on the, the higher ADR that we've been asking for for everybody. Yeah, this is certainly temporary, like you just mentioned. Uh, people aren't going to be able to stay on unemployment forever. However, we are heading into the busiest season for travel and tourism. And with all of the pent-up demand to travel, I mean, we, I, I, like you mentioned, Pete, I have every single client that I have talked to has had this issue of we have all the demand in the world right now, but we seriously cannot service all of the guests that we have, and we can't fill up our rooms even though the demand is there because um, obviously you have to maintain that, that experience. Um, you know, short-term problem, but it's a big problem. Right, and what, what scares me is you know, moving down the line, what happens when all the people who come to visit the property in 2021 – They've been pent up. They're ready to go on vacation. They're expecting to be wined and dined. And the best that we can provide is a, a mediocre experience. If we over, you know, overbook our rooms, it's, it's going to give us long-term issues moving forward. And Melissa, you're always a big fan of, you know, make sure you can service that guest because they're going to leave some horrible reviews if they're not getting what they expect. Right. Absolutely. So, so for that, my one recommendation and then we'll break it down, is you have to look at your employment strategy the same way you look at your overall marketing strategies. So what you're, instead of selling a, a room, instead of selling putting a head in a bed, what you're doing is you're selling the opportunity to work for your property, which means you need to highlight the benefits. You need to overcome all those objections that an individual customer might have. You have to create the affinity with your brand and you have to build the system that it takes to make it very easy to do business with you. In this case, doing business is getting employed. So we've talked about you know, making that seamless booking engine process. Well, if your goal is to drive people to work at your property, you kind of need to create a seamless employment uh, conversion funnel as well. Yeah, and I, I would say another selling point the marketing of hey come to come work for us is i don't I, maybe jumping ahead Pete, but if if you sell it as you know come get a job now before unemployment is over and everybody's struggling like rushing to get employed you know be the first one in the door i, I like that yeah <laughs> yeah we won't tell anybody that you're working here until your unemployment benefits run out see phil if you get uh, in trouble for that one. <laughs> so, All right, we ready for number one, 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 one. All right. So first and foremost, 
you have got to keep your existing staff loyal. And to me, this is literally the most important thing that you can do because if, if you want to fill the hole that you have from an employment perspective, the very first thing you have to do is make sure you're not losing more employees. And I think that was one thing that the hotel industry in general probably didn't do a great job at the onset of COVID. A lot of properties, seeing what necessarily had to be done, cut staff and basically just pushed a lot of people to the curb, including some very, very good employees that were probably snatched up by your comp competitors. So you want to keep the people that you have and you want to make it as make your property as an inviting of a place as possible that they're going to want to work and also be be affiliated with. So it's going to be more than just creating just, hey, here's a place where you get a paycheck. You have to create that connection with your staff and your employees so that they not only want to stay, but as we talk about later, how they're going to want to get their friends to also be a member of this cool club that works at this resort or property and, and grow your staff. So, so to do that, I kind of broke down a couple of things that really do help a lot and are not necessarily going to be big costs, expenses for you. So the very first one is employee appreciation events. So make sure that you have, you create the culture and make sure that your staff understands the culture and has a chance to get to know each other and the management and owners on a more personal level. So events where you get everybody together outside of a work environment, or even if it's on the clock, you have, you're always doing nice things to get them to, to be thankful that they're working there. You know, if and, and we, for this, I mean, this isn't your typical company where you can bring everybody in for a party, right? Someone's always got to be on property because there's always guests on property. You may want to split these type of events into, um, into different portions, but like Pete mentioned, make sure ownership is there, make sure management is there uh, for these events. So everybody is, you know, kind of getting together and, and, and almost, you know, making friends. If you're friends with the people that you work with, that makes it a, a whole lot better to work at that type of place. Exactly. So, and you know, one thing that kind of goes along with that is keeping your people affiliated with your brand, which means making sure that your staff has, you know, just great, great apparel that they can wear. Yeah. Everyone sells branded property apparel, typically in, in gift shops and whatnot. Make sure that you're sharing that with your staff as well. You know, one of the best things that can be is if you have people with your property walking around with, you know, name of resort here, shirt on or hat or something. And it just, it just helps expand who your base of employees could be. So I, I would say make sure that your your employee uniforms are not ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it, it's, maybe, maybe give your staff a, a little bit of say, put a vote out there via email, some type of survey, let them pick. So, you know, management doesn't have this awful decision that they think is great and nobody wants to wear the stuff you just paid a lot of money for. Exactly. And if like most places ownership is from one generation and the staff is from another, you don't want to become tone deaf to what people would actually want to wear in 2021. So, you know, the other thing, and Melissa, you mentioned this as well, is making sure that you are addressing some of those issues that people have, such as healthcare or whatever it might be, and provide access to some of your amenities to staff as it makes sense and as it does not necessarily impact with guest experiences. You know, so you know, are you able to, you know, let the staff use pool complexes? Are you able to let the staff have discounted room rates if, if they need them? Whatever it might be, work with them to, to make sure they have buy-in for your property. Yeah, if, say, you know, someone from your staff has family visiting town. You know, how deep of a discount can you offer to let that family come stay at your property? Right, it's a good point. You really have to look at it from two perspectives. One is what is my my cost for not having that room out there. But then you gotta look at the benefit that you're creating with the employee and the potential opportunity for having new employees within that comp that yeah. employee's family. That would be uh, you know one selling point for people who have family visiting often. If they know that they can get their family in a room, um, 
at any time, that's 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 a that's a value added right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and going beyond that, making sure that you have a place that people can relax while off the clock. I, I know when when I was kind of first starting out in the work workplace and I was working at a golf course and after you were done working, there was literally no place to have your lunch break. There was no place to sit around and relax on break. It was it, it was a, a burden and you wanted to get off that golf course as soon as you possibly could because you were just you knew you were not welcome there. If you can create that comfortable space where people feel safe, they feel relaxed, they're going to stay and they're going to do a better job while they're working because they have more of an opportunity to relax and connect when they're actually off the clock. And then I said also make sure that your employees have motivation or have some skin in the game. So you, if you can offer you know, incentives for you know seniority or longevity at the property, if you can create clear paths for growth within the organization and make sure that your employees feel a sense of ownership of where the hotel or the resort is is heading. If all they feel is that they're getting a paycheck, it's very easy to go look for a paycheck somewhere else. But they feel like if they're part of a higher cause, they're serving guests, and they have an ownership role in there, then they're going to stay and they're going to stick it out through, through tough times and, and good times. And I would say along those lines, if you're not already doing this, you know, a thank you for a job well done can go a long way. Um, And if you see in your TripAdvisor or Google reviews that a staff member has been praised for something they've done, that should be shared with not only the employee, but the entire team so that they can see, you know, what a great job XYZ person is doing. And then that will inspire other people to do as much. And people like to be thanked for a job well done. Yeah, and I I don't think it's out of, you know, out of line to reward somebody, uh, an employee who gets praise once or you know all the time. If if you have, if you have some some employee that you know we've seen it countless times in TripAdvisor reviews. You know, so and so at the front desk did a fantastic job. They helped us with X Y Z, and then that person shows up in three, four, or five reviews. If you see that start to happen, those are the people that you promote. Those are the people that you you know provide provide some type of incentive to yeah I mean, if you can incentivize obviously the the paycheck is is somewhat of an incentive to to provide service but that's all it is is to provide service if you really want to provide over-the-top service giving people the opportunity to go above and beyond and getting rewarded for that is a great option all right number two Number two is to create a strong referral program because just like in any business when you're trying to get new customers, the best way to do that is from word of mouth of your existing customers. The same is true for getting employees. If you have happy employees and they're willing to recommend other people, and you know you just continue to grow that way so you can do that by obviously money talks so there's always the the bonus for referring new employees you can do contests and drawings for referring leads Um, and of course you want to make it as easy as possible for your employees to refer their friends and family or whoever they are referring so whatever that means um, just make it easy for that to happen. This is this is effectively the MLM model, but right, <laughs> it works. I mean, we've seen it work time and time again. But what Melissa said is absolutely true. The best thing is word of mouth. If you can have your employees help you fill the gaps that you have right now, to have their friends who may be unemployed come work for you. Um, you know, maybe their unemployment is going to run out soon. And and again, you just push that, Hey, this is your long-term solution. You can't rely on this forever. Have having your employees tell their unemployed friends that is, is going to help you get people in the door. Bingo. I mean, creating that environment where they're going to want to have their friends work with them and creating an incentive for them to do so is, is phenomenal. It's going to give you a leg up on every other property who's looking for that exact same employee. And, and we said this in, in number one, right? It's, 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 a, it's fun to work with your friends. You know, if you, if you like the people you work with, 
you're more loyal to the company you work for. So if you have you know friends working together, you're you're likely going to establish that that same that same bond. And I would say this in terms of the hiring process. Theoretically, if you're getting a referral from a good employee, you assume like attracts like, and somebody that they're referring is going to be somebody similar to them. So hopefully it's already off to a better, higher start than from scratch. And keep this in mind that if even you know in our industry, I'm not going to recommend somebody come work for my company or a partner's company if I don't put my name behind them. So it's you're dead on. Definitely. I mean, that's the first thing we do when we're looking for new hires. We send we send it out to the other employees. Hey, do you know anybody who would fit this role well? Exactly. All right. On to number three. So providing hiring incentives and that'll that'll get you new employees. That'll help retain some employees. So hiring incentives. Yeah, they're definitely controversial. We're talking about signing bonuses, essentially. You know, this isn't the NFL here, but um, <laughs> you know, if you, to to get somebody in the door and and you know build your pool of employees that you need right now, you may need to pay a little bit extra. You know, you get your first two paychecks right up front, something like that, where it feels almost like a stimulus check. But it it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get people in the door. You just have to be very careful that those people who you give a signing bonus to don't just turn around and leave right away. Yeah, it's really important if you go down this road, and it's something that you should look into for sure. But make sure that you set those bonuses based on milestones of some kind. So you've been with the company for after three months, you get X bonus. Or at the end of your busy tourism season, you get a big bonus. I mean, what you're trying to do is is get someone in the door, get them working for you, understand who they are, assimilate with your culture, and once they've proven that you know they're a phenomenal employee, have all these benefits that they're going to be take, able to take advantage of. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal option. And I would also say that a lot of the times those incentives can kind of go back to the first thing we talked about of keeping your employees loyal. So a brand new employee, you may not necessarily want to say, yeah, if your friends or family are in town, they can stay at one of our rooms. That might be something for after one, two, three years of, of service that, that, that opportunity opens up for them. Yeah. That's, that's the incentive to retain, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Um, I, I like this. It's just you have to you have to think about it the right way. Um, you also have to take the, the cost benefit into account, right? So if you can pay a little bit more right now to have to staff up your hotel to a point where you can fill that hotel, how much more revenue are you going to make? What did it really cost you to bring those employees in to fill the fill the rooms right now? So so consider that too. Definitely, definitely. So okay. Let's jump over to number four, 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 four. And this is, this is basic blocking and tackling, making sure that your jobs are listed everywhere. So yes, you're going to want to make sure that you're working with your recruiters. You're going to want to make sure that your jobs are posted on everything from Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Simply Hired, whatever that channel might be. Make sure that you've taken your, your job listings and you optimize them to the fullest extent possible. And when we talked about you want to make sure that your employment strategy is a lot like your marketing strategy in that you just you go all in and you lean into it and you do the best you possibly can. Think of your employment listings as your Google My Business profile. Have you fully optimized everything you can? Can you add photos? Can you add descriptions? Can you add testimonials? Whatever it might be make your job stand out among the rest because there's a lot of other people out there looking for jobs as, or mm-hmm. looking for employees, should I say. Craigslist. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen some pretty cool job listings on Craigslist that are, you know, a little humorous, a little funny, you know, but just it would make somebody giggle but also make them understand the culture of a place uh, maybe a little bit better. Um, yep. yeah, 
just like Pete said, lean in, make your job listing stand out by making your place look like the best place to work. Yeah. And and beyond just the the regular job listings, look at your social channels, Facebook, Nextdoor, wherever you might have that base, you know, that audience that would, would apply. And consider the paid options as well. You may find that it's very effective to have a a paid Facebook campaign to drive employees to your property. That's again something that you're gonna test, something you're gonna find out if it actually works or doesn't work. But but either way, don't don't discount that because less and less people are using I mean Phil to Phil's point Craigslist for listings and they're spending more and more time on other social media channels. So so be everywhere if you can. Melissa yeah, would recommend you... you be omnipresent. <laughs> oh, I will... just burned her button. <laughs> I will say this about Facebook because I've seen this myself in my little neighborhood Facebook group that people are posting like, hey, we're hiring at XYZ Hotel. And, you know, I can't say that anybody's responded, but at least it's there. You got to, you know, desperate times call for desperate matters. If you've gotten in it in, in some neighborhood group somewhere, just get it out there. Yep. And, and here's yeah. one that I didn't even know about. Do you know that there's jobs.google.com? I did not. It's a thing. I did it not ever. I did not ever know that. But I should have assumed that it was because the eight hundred pound gorilla is <sighs> in all aspects of our life. But no, it, it's really cool. It's a, it's a job aggregating system that if if you try it now, if you look for jobs in fill in the destiny or the market, it's going to basically aggregate jobs from different job boards, uh, things that might actually be posted to the property or whatever it might be. And it spits it all out, very similar to like say a hotels listing that Google does. Pete, I want to I want to jump back for a second uh, to the paid social yeah. type thing that you just talked about. Um, if you're going to do that, and you're going to pay to try to bring in new employees or bring in applicants, make sure you're tracking it properly. Uh, make sure that you you know what your paid efforts are doing in terms of leads. Uh, this is you know, basically gen stuff, but it's easy to skip past this type of thing when you're desperate. Um, so don't be so desperate as to not track what you just paid for. Well said, Phil. Amen. Are we on to number Look to the community for assistance. You never know what you might find just right around you. Um, I'd certainly, if you haven't already, definitely tap into your local chamber, your DMO in any way, shape, or form that they can help you. Um, I'm sure that they they want to work with you as much as you need the help. Obviously, the local unemployment office. And don't forget, if you've got a local school a university, college, something like that, they are always looking for ways to place students, whether it's in internships, paid or not. Um, you, you never know what you might find at a local university or technical college or anything like that, or even the high schools. I mean, if high schools are certainly old enough, you know, by senior, junior year to be working part time and you never know what you might find there, tap into all the local things. Yep. And, and even I say go beyond that to your broader area. You know, we have specifically in the Myrtle Beach area, there are several outlying areas that might be 30, 40 minutes away from Myrtle Beach that the community will actually bus people in to, you know, serve as, you know, just hotel staff. So it's, it's, it's a great way to say, if I can't find my employees right where I am, where are some broader areas I can look to to grab those, grab those employees and, and convince them to come in into Myrtle Beach, in our case, or wherever your property is? We've even seen, and this is pre-COVID days, where we would literally have people fly in, prop, uh, typically their H-1 or H-2B visas, in from, I think in this case it was Jamaica or something, but they'd bring them into Myrtle Beach, they'd put them up for you know, a couple months during the, the season and then provide them a flight home. And that was worth it for that group of properties at the time yeah, they, because it's so hard to find people. Flight. 
Right. They chartered the flight, gave them a place to stay, and what it cost them to do that and the value that it provided to the employee, I mean, everybody won in that scenario. Yep, exactly. So consider that. So, I mean, and I think, I can't remember if it was Phil or if it was you or Melissa that said it before, that the expense is in the overall hotel operations. If you can open more rooms, you know, those employees have a benefit beyond just making sure that a room is clean or a, a pool is serviced or whatever else it might be. So, all right. Right. Last Move one. Last one. On to number six. All right. So adapt to having a smaller workforce. We, you know, we gave you a few ideas on how you can bring people in the door and, and retain your existing employees. But uh, reality of the situation is that may not work out. So you need to be agile and you need to adapt to the workforce that you have right now. Um, you, I, we've said this throughout the pandemic, cross-training staff as, as much as you can is it's essential, but it's also going to help those things like uh, creating loyalty to your hotel, making the, making the employee want to stay, um, making them invested in your operation, so cross training gives you that ability to shift people around. It also, you know, creates the loyalty. Automating systems. It's, oh wait, before you move on there, it's yeah. also just smart operationally because now everybody has a better understanding of the other's department and how you can better communicate and work together. So COVID aside, staffing shortages aside, it's just a good idea to cross train. Definitely. Definitely. Um Auto automation where you can, um, uh, eliminating the need for a staff member through automation is, you know, it, that'll pay off in the long run, even if you have to pay an upfront cost to whatever it may be that you're, that you're automating on property. Um, and I think uh, outsourcing services that alleviates some of the internal staff, like, uh, laundry services. We've seen we've seen a lot of a lot of properties do this, uh, especially in this area. They they ship out their you know laundry services, and it reduces the need for as many employees in the building, and and it also creates a local partnership. And I would say on this one, consider what it is that you that you actually want to be in the business of doing, because a lot of hotels for a while all went to. You know, individual laundry service, it's washed on property. But then you got to figure out, do I want to be a dry cleaner? Do I want to be a laundry service? It might make a lot more sense, even if it's a little bit more expensive, you know, overall, to send that stuff out, have somebody else take care of that for you, and be able to put that workload somewhere else so that the staff that you do have can focus on guest experiences and making sure that you're delivering on your promise. Yeah, and things like we talked about it last week a few times, um, differentiating your hotel. You know, something like a shuttle service is huge for so many different hotels, whether you're shuttling people to and from a ski resort or some other venue, a stadium, an arena, whatever it is. Um, if you can outsource a shuttle service to a, say, local limo company or, or something like that, um, it may cost you a little bit more than than employing that person but you know that you could you could still have the service without having to bring somebody in to do that work right now and it may not even cost you more so specifically in our market a lot of the valet services are not actually hotel employees they're through individual car services and, and whatnot and it's a great way to say I have a ton of people on property who are looking for someone to park their car. Instead of me being in the car parking business, I want to have a piece of the more or less, piece of the action to where I'll let another company come in, represent me, park the cars, and I get a percentage of that. So not only am I not having to staff and deal with all the issues of staffing for insurance specifically of say a valet service i can turn that over to somebody else and just make sure that my guests are getting the experience but then i'm able to defer all of the 
the day-to-day management, insurance, and everything else that goes along with it to somebody else. Right. And I do uh, want to throw in there, because we are a hotel marketing podcast, that if you are dealing with a smaller workforce today, that we need to be marketing as if you had a smaller workforce today. So that, as we've said before, if you're just jacking your rates up to try and slow down demand, and yet that isn't even happening as what we're seeing, people are just paying more and more money. And if you're unable to clean the rooms every day, that your guests, when they arrive, they already know that their room is not going to be cleaned every day. They need those expectations set ahead of time. And I know I sound like a broken record. I feel like I talk about this every damn day. But you've got to set those expectations on your website, in the booking engine, in the confirmation email, in the pre-arrival email, all the way through so that if you are short-staffed, that your consumers understand what it is that they're going to get when they arrive. Yeah, and and that's that's the kind of thing I was talking about right away when we started this podcast is what, the signs I've seen outside of restaurants that say, be, please be patient with our staff. That's essentially the same thing, right? But as a hotel, you have a lot more touch points before someone actually visits you to to communicate that with them, to set the expectation. You know, a restaurant has one time to set the expectation. It's a sign out front. You have... You have the the time they visit your website to making a booking to the pre-arrival emails, like Melissa mentioned. So well, there's there's no limit. There's no limit. I mean, everyone, and, and we know this for a fact that if somebody has already made a reservation, they are opening and they're reading every single email that is sent to them. Even if you dedicate an email to what they can expect. Obviously, you want to put that in the best light light possible, and you want to let them know that they're going to have an amazing experience, but softly set those expectations of, you know, when you're at the property, you don't have to have daily housekeeping. We found that so many guests don't want that service, so every other day, a housekeeper will come to your your unit, if you like that. Speaking of that, Pete. Okay. Maybe you should be asking your guests what they actually need and want. No, and... never, never, ever speak to a guest. <laughs> that is crazy talk. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've said this throughout the whole pandemic, you know, and, and, and it helped. Oh, my gosh, how many hotels where it was like, well, we don't, we don't want housekeeping in our room right now. Well, guess what? There's probably people who don't want housekeeping in their room, pandemic or not. So asking those guests, setting and, and allowing them to tell you, you know, I, hey, I don't need housekeeping during my stay. Well, then you don't provide it, and then you know what your staff needs to be, uh, and maybe you are able to operate with a smaller work workforce than you thought you needed. Yeah, and, and I don't know if if you guys are like this, but for me, the only thing I really need from housekeeping service is fresh towels. If, if I'm traveling for business, I don't even need that because it's, it's me by myself in a hotel room and there's eight sets of towels or whatever it might be. Right. I, I'm good for a long time. I don't need you coming in here making the bed. Even from when it's a family vacation, I don't necessarily need you coming in here cleaning up because you know, I'm trying to wrangle two kids and everybody else. I don't necessarily want you seeing that my room it looks like a nightmare. Right. So and, just, just and also there's there's people that there's people that see it as a safety issue and and safety and security, right? They don't want somebody around their stuff. And yeah. they would just make that choice anyway. So if you if you offer that out there, you know, as a checkbox, do you want housekeeping or just towel service? Yep. Most people are probably going to click just towel service and then you understand really realistically what do you need? It's not it's not a 20-minute room clean. It's not the deep cleaning we've been talking about forever that, that people want or expect you know, between, you know, during their stay. They want just drop the towels off. That's a two-minute job. Move on. You understand the staff that you need to, to accomplish that. Well, Phil, when you think about it, everybody else is dirty except for you. Yeah. You know, so I don't need a deep cleaning between my, my, stay. my stays. It's, it's the other dirty people that I'm worried about. Yeah. So you know, if, if you provide that that value of hey, you have a deep cleaning between the next guest, but for me, I, I'm good. I'm I'm the clean person. I'm not your problem. 
Yeah, then, yeah. Put that, put that in your email. Please. Yeah. Hey, we yeah. deep clean before you get here, but we know you're clean, so we yeah. don't come yeah. in while you're here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, but but it's true. I mean, asking your guest what they actually want will lead to better operations moving forward. Caveat. Okay. What's you know, caveat? I have to have a caveat. One what's, caveat. What's your no, most caveat? caveat. Be careful what you ask for, because if you do sort of basically give your consumer a the ability to have a customized experience, but you can't deliver on that, don't do it. So if you're giving them an opportunity to say, yes, I do want housekeeping every day, but you can't deliver on that, just be careful how you yeah. how you do that. That's, that's, a, what I'm saying. that's a great point, Melissa. It's it's what is the what's the level of service you're willing to provide? Um, and that you can actually provide and then allow the guest to decrease that as they wish. Well, yeah, and so, I, I think the question, the point there is, is, is don't ask the guest if they would like services that you don't or can't provide. If you're already providing daily housekeeping, your problem is that you're providing daily housekeeping. You're only asking people that are okay with not receiving that service. But don't go throwing out new services of, you know, unicorn rides if you don't have a unicorn on staff. But I want a unicorn ride now. You can't have one. You put a party hat on a donkey. You're yeah. good. <laughs> All right. So anybody have anything else to add there for one of our six topics or strategies for finding staff? No, I just I really hope this helps because this was a like we said at the beginning, a question that we've been getting in every single client meeting we've had for the past few weeks. Um, hey, we're filling up, but we don't have the staff. What do we do? I I hope this helps you. Definitely. And we don't necessarily have the answers. You know, what we did for this specific podcast is talk to a lot of our clients that are trying to solve this problem as well and kind of consolidate all their answers into, you know, to kind of one summary. So it's, it's a tough situation. It's going to be, have to handle incredibly local. So understand your own market and understand where the employees are and what you need to actually offer to entice those employees to come back, back to the, back to work. Yeah. And I think like, like I mentioned earlier, it's goes it goes back to a marketing scenario. How do you get people in the door? This is a, fear of missing out situation you you tell people in your area that are on unemployment hey you know you're not going to be able to be on unemployment forever we're offering jobs now come be the first one in the door it's a it's a long term thing it's you know, this is a this is a short term problem that that you can fix yep yeah it's it's funny cuz it always goes back to kind of the same term is is being a true hotelier and being a true person who's trying to serve the community and the people within your building, those people are your employees as well. So go above and beyond for your guests, but go above and beyond for your employees as well. Because I think what we found is when you ignore that segment of your market, even though it's an atypical market, when you ignore it, they disappear and it becomes a serious problem moving forward. There you have it. All right. Well, that's it. Did you know that that was episode 186 and we're all done with it now? How about that? <laughs> fairly, fairly short episode. It, it, it was. Right? It was. It's sub hour. So that's all sub we hour. Yeah. So. Oh, wait. If you want it to be shorter or longer, where can you tell us to do that, Pete? I would do that at fueltravel.com slash podcast survey. That's a place where you can... Let us know what you don't like, what you do like, and future topics for next episodes. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. So, but yeah, so we haven't really come up with a, an elegant way to end the episodes. So I'll say, Phil, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at pfariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. I prefer you'd find me on LinkedIn. I respond more there. Um, at Phil Fariska there. Uh, that's about it. All right. And Melissa, if we want to find all about your your inner demands and requirements for a great analytics person, where would you go? 
you could find me on LinkedIn or on Clubhouse. I'm there probably too much. Uh, both places, I am at Melissa Cavanaugh, and that's K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Awesome. You can find me at Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O, on both LinkedIn and Clubhouse. And so, Melissa, yes. I know Phil, he's shunned Clubhouse. I'm a morning Clubhouse person. Yes, where, you are. Yeah, where, where are you in, in the Clubhouse world? I am uh, I'm usually on the morning listening while I'm in the shower. So I always hope that Stuart or Ed don't call me out while I'm in the shower because that's where <laughs> I get to hear things. Um, but I, I do jump in on that 8 a.m. Uh, session in the hospitality marketing room. And then Lauren Gray hosts the noon room, and I am there pretty frequently as well. Nice. So. Well, perfect. Yes, I, I have 100% shunned Clubhouse, but you guys are going to make me do it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Phil, the way I would start if I were you, and that's for the listeners as well, is just go join in a few rooms and listen to it as if it were a podcast. So there, there's several times in the afternoon, so I'm going on my afternoon run, that I'll have Clubhouse running in the background and just listening to what people are saying. It's, a, it's kind of a more of a a raw podcast than anything else so but yeah so if you want to find us collectively you'll find us at fueltravel.com and if you go to the podcast section you can find the show notes 186 and follow along but that's all we have for you today like i said that's it goodbye So is that, how we end it? is that how we end it? I don't know. You're, you're the weakest link. <laughs> so, so, so give me a sexy ending. I don't know where to, how to end this. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> That's, that is the very ending of the episode. Give me a sexy ending. I don't know how to end it. <laughs>